Um, hey, we're glad you're here. If you're here for the first time or if you've been hanging out with us and you've never filled out one of our Connect cards, we wanna get to know you. So just hit the QR code in front of you that says Connect or you can grab a paper card on one of the communion stations around the room and fill it out and drop it in the black offering box that's on all of the communion stations. Um, we're asking you for a little information because we wanna get to know you. Uh, I say this every week, but I mean it. If your goal is to be anonymous, good luck. Um, we don't want you to slip through the cracks. We wanna know you. And if you wanna be known, this is one way to help you do that. Um, you'll get a phone call. Uh, you'll have access to our newsletter. Um, most of all, we just want you to know we're glad you're here and we hope that you'll consider making this a regular part of your week. So we're in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. So last week we began our study on spiritual gifts, on the gifts that the Spirit gives. And uh, for the next few weeks, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and kind of lay all of this out. So several things that I wanna remind you of this morning. There were three basic overarching points that I wanna remind you of, uh, and I'll probably remind you of them every week. So the first is this. You have a gift. You have a gift. The person in your seat. So for a lot of us, we don't feel gifted. We feel like that when, you know, when, when God backed up the gift truck that he backed up next door and left us barren, some of you, uh, you don't have a clue what your gift is. You're like, okay, if I'm gifted, I don't know what my gift is, but here's what you need to know. Number one, you have a gift. We saw in 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven last week, uh, when it says, now to each one, the manifestation or the revealing of the spirit is given for the common good. So who is that? To each one. That's you. So personalize that. To you, the person in your seat, you've been given a gift. And that's really good news this morning. Uh, it's another version of what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10, as each has been given a gift, and then he says, use it to serve each other, to serve each other as faithful stewards of God's grace. And so number one, you have a gift. And second, your gift is not about you, but it's about the common good. The common good, right? That's straight out of verse seven. So what is the common good? It means that uh, there is your agenda and then there's God's agenda. And if you're wondering if your agenda always lines up with God's agenda, probably not, right? If you're a person living in the United States of America in 2021, know that you're drifting in and out of God's will. And the more connected you are to the spirit of God, the more likely you are to live on God's agenda and not your own. But, but here's the thing, for a lot of you, um, you're, you're a, a spiritual narcissist and not only do you believe you have a gift, you believe that you're actually God's gift, all right? And so I'm not gonna call out any names, but I'm looking around the room, I probably could, but, uh, but uh, here's the thing, you have a gift and your gift is not about you. Your gift is about something greater. And so when God activates your giftedness, he does it for the common good, for a common agenda, for a greater agenda than you could ever accomplish on your own. And then number three, the spirit gives gifts to display what? The power of God. The power of God. In the Greek, the word power is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. So think about that. You have a gift, and, and as you live into your giftedness for the common good, you are literally an explosion waiting to happen. Not a ticking time bomb but an explosion waiting to happen. That's why we say every week that wherever we go, the kingdom of God goes with us and we're expecting extraordinary God activity. Last week, we talked about this whole idea of the supernatural, you know, and that's not spooky, all right? Here's natural, what you and I can accomplish. So this morning, know that there are a lot of things with your mad skills that you can accomplish. That's in the natural. Supernatural is just more than natural. So here's you, here's God. Here's what you can accomplish. Here's what God can accomplish through you. And so here's the question, which one are you gonna choose? If you could choose this or this, which would you choose? Yeah, I mean, when you think about that, you are an explosion 
waiting to happen. If you're just this little, man, people have told me my whole life, dynamite comes in small packages, <laughs> right? It's so offensive, but, but the point is, the point is this, man, spiritually speaking, it doesn't matter whether I'm tall or small. When I come on the scene because of the giftedness that God has placed in me, when I am living on God's agenda and not my own, I can explode on the scene. And that's each and every one of you this morning. That is not specific to me. It is the life of every believer that is living underneath the submitted Lordship of Jesus Christ. So let me say this real quickly as we move into the next set of chapters, verses, not chapters, the next set of verses today. Uh, So here's what you need to know. You have a gift. For some of you, you wanna know what that gift is. And, and I can commit to you that at some point we will have a gift assessment. We will have a, an Ephesians 2.10 class where you can come in and, and, and discover what your gift is. Man, that's coming down the pipe, okay? But here's what I wanna say to you. Don't wait on the church. Amen. Here's what I know for sure. If you will get in the secret place with Jesus tomorrow morning, if you will sit and ask him and you're willing to wait on the voice of God, you don't need us to fill out a little gift survey so you can determine what deep down you probably already know. And when God reveals it to you, you're like, oh, that's why I act the way I do. (laughs) Most of that's good, by the way. Jason Phillips, not sure. But uh, for the rest of you, it's the point. God has gifted you and the gift is for the common good, for God's agenda. And man, when you're living into it, you explode on the scene. And so uh, last week, we talked about those gifts in verses eight through 10, and we saw it's not an exhaustive list, that there are at least two other lists, and we identified at least 21 gifts that the Spirit gives, and we're probably even cutting it short there. There are even more, but we saw at least 21 in those three different sections, right? And those are individual common gifts that are given to the life of every believer in Jesus, So that's cool. So now we're gonna move from the individual to the corporate today. So think about this. Think about if every one of us are activated into our gifting and now we are literally dunamis, dynamite, ready to explode on the scene. So what happens if 375 people explode right now? It's gonna leave a crater in the earth, right? It will leave an indention. And that's what we wanna see here in Montgomery County. And we wanna see it expanded to our city, to our nation and beyond. That's the life we were called to live. Is anybody else excited? Woo. Okay, so uh, I have a Nissan Titan truck, okay? Don't judge me. Um, but so I've had, I've had this truck for three years and it's the first truck I've ever owned that has a keyless ignition and a keyless entry. So if I have my keys in my pocket, it's incredible, y'all. I can walk up and push a button and my door unlocks. What? Right? And so I get in and I sit down and I push the brake down and I push this button and my truck starts. Right? So that's just really, really cool. I've never owned a truck like that before or a car like that that can start on its own, right? Some of you are like, wow, you don't get out much. But, uh, but, I, but I, so this has been going on for a while. Well, so last week, or, or I guess it was two weeks ago, for the first time I walked up and I pushed the button and it didn't unlock the truck. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. So I pulled out uh, my remote and I hit it about 15 times. It only took once, but you know, impatience. And so uh, it unlocked it. And my first thought was something's wrong with my truck. At some point, I'm gonna have to look into that, but not today, I got stuff to do. And so uh, I go on and I don't think about it. Three or four days later, it happened again. And so there's a symptom that something's not right. And of course I ignore it. And so on Thursday, I was leaving campus. I had to go run an errand. And as soon as I'm going over the bridge right here, there is a, uh, a warning on my dash and it says remote battery is low. It's the only warning that it gave me, right? Now I've seen the symptoms, but this is the only time this has come on to my knowledge. So I'm looking at it thinking, oh, I need to at some point stop and get a battery because at some point 
this is you know, going to run down. Well, that's some point happened about 15 minutes later. I pull in somewhere, I get out of the car, run in the air, and I come back, get in my car, I push the brake, I hit the ignition, and nothing happens. So being the car guy that I am, I'm like, hey, I guess the battery's dead. But then I remember that flashing light that told me battery's low. And now I'm realizing that my entire life has been shut down because when I open it up, here's what I found. That. <laughs> my entire existence is this, at this point is tied to this little watch battery, right? And so I'm, I'm sitting in my truck in the rain trying to figure out, okay, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good ways from a CVS, from a Walgreens. So I phone a friend and told him, hey, I need you to go buy this little tiny battery. He went and bought it. He drove 20 minutes out of the way to come find me. And we have to pry the thing open. And I put the battery in. I depress the brake. Starts right up. So when I bought this truck, I test drove it. At no time when I was test driving it, because they were telling me all the features of the car, did they ever say, hey, by the way, there's a little battery in your remote, and if that goes dead, you will not be able to drive this thing. <laughs> did anybody else ever have that experience? Your salesman informed you of the battery when he was selling you the car? No. Why? Because we never think about it. We don't think about this little battery as being the number one most in in indispensable peace to the truck. We can think engine, we can think oil, we can think AC, we can think transmission, we can think tires, we can think of a lot of things, but I'll guarantee you, you've never given a second thought to a battery in your remote. I did on Thursday for the first time. So here's the point. Something as small as a watch battery can be indispensable. For my truck, it's what was needed for the common good. <laughs> and the common good was for me to get out of that parking lot. <laughs> it was for the mission at hand. Big truck, small battery. And I have a new appreciation for that bad boy. I've got an extra one in my truck now in case it ever happens again. But today we're gonna see a clear picture that there are no insignificant gifts in the body of Christ. And while we have a gift or gifts, they are used together to make up the body of Christ, both here at Restoration and in the broader body of Christ in our area, in our city, in our nation, in the world. Okay, so let's look at it. Starting with verse 12, it says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. And so Paul is gonna take us into this body analogy today in order to show us that there are no preferential parts of the body that every part is needed. So here is kind of the goal for today. One body has many parts, but the many parts form one body. One body, many parts. Many parts, one body. So we're a church of roughly... 500 or so families, okay? So there are 500 or so families that call Restoration Church home. So of those 500 families, if you go into our database, um, you'll, you'll see uh, a name listed, a last name, they're alphabetical, but then once you see that name, then you'll see all the other family members that are associated with that name. And so while it's one family unit, I mean, we've got several people that have like, you know, 18 kids. And so, uh, so, so one family unit can have a lot of kids listed underneath that one family. But then when you're counting the family, you count it as what? One family. One family, many units. So you look at those 500 families, well, it makes up 15, 1,700 people that call restoration our church, their church home. So now you look and go, okay, now these 15 to 1,700 people make up one body. And that one body is restoration. So think about how you're breaking that down, right? One family, many parts, but the many parts make one body. Now that one body moves into a broader body and now you've got all of these families that represent one body. 
So now you move down the street to the Church of Wood Forest and imagine that their numbers are roughly the same. So now you have 15 to 1,700 people that form that one body and then you move up to Lake Church and then over to Hope Church and then the First Baptist Church Montgomery to Fellowship of Montgomery and uh, you move back down to 1488 and Freedom Church and Collective Church. You move over to uh, the Woodlands First Baptist North Campus and Stonebridge. You've got Woods Edge and Faith and the crossing, and on and on and on and on. And all of those are one body made up of hundreds, sometimes thousands of people that are a part of the body of Christ. And yet all of those together make up one body. Amen. Do you see it? I mean, yes. that is, that's some math right there. So we can break it down in an infinite number of ways, but the point is this, the individual gifting while important, is not the point. If you're operating in your giftedness in a silo, you're missing the bigger point. The individual serves the common good or the greater good. Simply said, you're not the point, but part of a bigger point. So you've been gifted, you've been gifted for the greater good. And when you are living into your giftedness, there is power in that. But know this, think about the power when you're connected to the person next to you, the person in front of you, the person behind you, that we all have this giftedness. And he says here in verse 12, just as a body though, one has many parts, but with all as many part, it forms one body. Then look at verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So he says we were baptized by one spirit. So we can go back to the words of Jesus in Acts chapter one. In verse four, before he ascended, He's talking to his disciples. It's a compatible passage with Luke chapter 24, right before his ascension. He's, it says this, on one occasion while he was eating with them, the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or date. The father is set by his own authority, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. and You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So Jesus is like, listen, wait, and the Holy Spirit's gonna come. Wait, and the Holy Spirit is gonna pour himself out. Again, if you wanna know what your gift is, what's the number one thing you can do? Wait. Do what Jesus said, wait. I mean, we are the most impatient society on the planet, right? Amen. We, we wanna DVR everything so we can skip the commercials. And here's the thing, Jesus says, listen, I wanna be known, what I'm asking for you to do is wait. I want you to sit with me. Sometimes he kind of holds back to get you to pursue a little more. He wants to know how hungry you are to know what it is you've been gifted to do. But here's what we know. He says we were all baptized by one spirit. This is common to all believers. All believers. When you said yes to Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the part of Jesus that comes and inhabits you and lives in you. You've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit is what inhabits you when you say yes to him. So when you say yes to Jesus, you are baptized in the spirit and you receive the fullness of who Jesus is. That's why when we talk about Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. It means that in Christ, he's the activator of the gifts. And so the Holy Spirit activates the giftedness that he thought about before the foundation of the world for you. Think about that. Father, Son, and Spirit are, are sitting around pre-creation and you're on his mind. And as he's forming this plan of how he's gonna change the world, 
He thinks about you and your giftedness. Brent, he thinks about you and your giftedness, what you're gonna bring to the table. And he puts it all together and he says, this is Brent Wagner. And then he, he knows that there'll be a day that you're gonna say yes to Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, mm, your giftedness is activated in you. And the more you give yourself over to it, the more the spirit comes alive in you. And, and, and we know that in it is what? Power. An explosion waiting to happen. So he says, Jews, Gentiles, slave and free, all drink from the same spirit. So it's interesting that in Luke 1, 6, what did they say? Oh, is this the point that you're gonna restore Israel? And I'm sure Jesus is like, guys, it's not about you. He says, in fact, you're gonna be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the world. The people you hate the most is the people that I'm sending you into the world to experience me. Jews, Gentiles, slave, free. So let's move it to today. Baptists, Methodists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Anglicans, man, you name it, assemblies of God, non-denominational, just you, you name it. You name it. Every denomination that calls Jesus Lord, drink from the same spirit. Now that hurts some of your sensibilities today because you have this predetermined notion that you're right and everybody else is wrong. There are certain denominations that believe they'll be the only ones in heaven. You're gonna be shot. (laughs) I've said this before, but some of you, you're gonna get to heaven and you're gonna go, wow, I didn't know you were gonna be here. And they're gonna say, I was thinking the same thing about you. But here's what I wanna say today when we're thinking about this whole idea of one church. We've gotta major on the essentials and quit fighting over the things that at the end of the day are non-essential to our faith. Let's, Let's major on Jesus and then let the spirit of God work the rest of it out within the context of our bodies. Did you know that someone that disagrees with you is not necessarily a heretic? Man, that is so popular in the Christian world today that we are so quick. Man, we're heresy hunters. I hate that word because what it says, it is so arrogant to say, I'm the only one that's right, they're wrong, and so I'm posting about it. Y'all need to calm down. Because guess what? We're all drinking from one spirit. And everyone who calls Jesus Lord We're drinking in of the spirit of God. Man, the rest of it, we can work out. But what would it be like to really, we're not just praying for other churches, man. We're doing life with them. We are locked arms with them. We're celebrating our diversity in the body. We're celebrating that we see things a little bit different. Man, what would that be like to disagree with someone and still love them? Hello, politics. All right, so there's just a, there's a better life to be lived. Okay. Verse 14. Even so, the body's not made up of one part but many. The body's not made up of one part but many. Now he's saying this again, man. There's a, there's diversity in the body. He's making the point that he made earlier in 1 Corinthians 12 that each has been given a gift, not the same gift, but a complementary gift. Your gift complements someone else in this room that we are complete when you are living into your giftedness. So let me say this. If you call restoration your church home and you are not living into your giftedness, we're incomplete as a body. So if you show up every week and you uh, sit and you worship and you listen to a message, basically you consume and then you leave, we're incomplete as a body because of it. You are needed in the kingdom of God. You're needed as we lock arms. And again, I've told you this, man. Uh, You can do it, we can help. You're not here to serve the church. You're here for us to help equip you, for you to find the thing that makes you come alive and to launch you into that ministry. And if restoration is a recipient of your giftedness, awesome. Here's what's not okay. It's not okay if you're not living into your giftedness inside or outside the walls of this church. 
Why? Because it's who you were made to be. So if you're living a mundane life of just kind of managing your sin and you're slapping the word Christian on it, you're missing the essential part of the life of following Jesus. You should be uh, just a big old uh, mound of dynamite everywhere you go, just waiting to explode on the scene. Not because of you, but because of the power you walk in, because of what Jesus has done in your life. Verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would its sense of smell be? So the human body is the most intricate in all of God's creation. I mean, think about it. You're sitting in the room right now your heart's beating. Did anybody, when you sat down, have to remind your heart to keep beating? No. You take deep breaths every once in a while and you're reminded, oh, okay. But you know what? You've been breathing the whole time you've been in here. I know that because you're not passed out, right? You're facing forward. Some of your eyes are open and that's cool. Um, but but you, you look at, I mean, uh, so you're listening. So your eyes and your ears are processing information while your heart is beating and your lungs are going in and out. And right now you've got a million thoughts on your mind, right? And so some of you are distracted and you're thinking about what you're doing this afternoon, who you're gonna watch the game with. And, and so all of these things are going on and they're all going on interdependently at the same time. That's your body. This whole idea of you don't have to tell your body what to do. It just does it. So think about the eye is not more important than the ear or the foot. Which by the way, I mean, your foot stays covered most of the time. I mean, if I were a foot, I would kind of have an inferiority complex, right? Why are you always covering me up? Hand, right? The hand gets all the glory while the foot. But at the end of the day, I mean, for some of us, that's how we think. That we want a public ministry. We want people to notice who we are. We want to be out on the front lines and we're waving our hands saying, look at me, look at me. And, and it's, it's like, hey, listen, the eye's not more important than the ears, the hand's not more important than the foot. All of us work together interdependently. Now here's the problem. For many people in this room, you don't like what you believe to be your gifting. You want somebody else's gift, right? You're like, well, I wanna sing, right? Why can't I sing? Why can't I play two guitars like that guy? I can barely play one. And, and, and you look at it and you want what somebody else has. And here's what we need. We need more Simon Cowles, right? We need more people to go, hey, listen, love you, but you can't sing. And instead of validating people who are screaming at the top of their lungs that they want a gift that they do not have, we need to love them enough to get them in their lane so that they can pursue the gift that God has placed on their life. So the eye is not more important than the ear, the foot, the hand, all are important. But then look, he goes on and he says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I mean, do you see it? I mean, we we need each other. We need each other working interdependently. Then he goes on in verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
God has placed what? Every part of the body exactly where it's needed to fulfill its purpose. You know what that means? You're exactly where you need to be this morning. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, that nothing happens by accident, you're sitting in this room today because God has predestined that you would do so. He has an assignment on your life. And if you've been coming for a while and you call restoration your church home, he's wanting to use your giftedness right here, right now in this space. Why? Because he's put every part of the body exactly where it needs to be. Many parts, one body. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Man, talk about spiritual narcissism, right? For you to look at your giftedness and look down your nose at someone else and to say, I'm more gifted Think you are. So a couple of thoughts here. I broke both arms in a basketball game in 2008. And I don't know why that's funny, but uh, (laughs) I became painfully aware of my need for arms, right? When's the last time you thought, man, hope I never lose my arms, right? I mean, and so for three or four months, there were certain things that I could not do on my own and I had to have someone else do them for me. So I'm not gonna go into detail, but it was really painful and humiliating, right? And so here I am like this. At the time, I was a worship leader and I would lead from the piano or from the guitar. But you know what they did? They rolled me out on a dolly and stood me up in front of a mic. And this was it. Yeah, man, I needed those arms. And so often it takes us losing the thing that we thought was unimportant for us to realize, oh, wow, I could really use that right now. Was with a friend, early 30s, uh, on Friday night, who has hearing aids because he has a hard time hearing. And so throughout the night, he would either turn it up or turn it down depending on the conversation. If it got loud and we were all laughing, you would turn it down. And I thought, man, that is convenient for marriage, right? Um, some of you are like, where did he get those? Um, but but you, you look at it. Uh, I bet the number one thing physically he wishes is that he had his full hearing. I was with another friend yesterday that told me that during COVID uh, about a month ago, she lost her taste and smell. But she's a chef and she makes spices. So imagine not being able to taste or smell and you're a spice maker. How spicy is she making stuff right now? Because she's, she's just loading it up, trying something that will hit her taste buds. How difficult would that be to not be able to taste or smell? Did any of you experience that during COVID? Yeah, that was not one of my symptoms, but man, brother loves to eat. And I, I, I asked her, is it hard to eat? Everything tastes the same. And now you're focused on the consistency and it just gets weird. And so, um, so spiritual narcissism tells you that you're God's gift to the body when really you're just a part of the bigger picture. And every time you say, I don't need you, you're devaluing someone that is precious to the heart of God. So we gotta celebrate giftedness, celebrate everybody's giftedness. We've gotta be encouraging people to fully live into who God has created them to be. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable and are, are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Again, my first thought is the remote battery, right? Indispensable to the driving of my truck. But... Um, Yesterday, we did a memorial service for Cindy Morris, for Jeff Morris's mom. And here's how the gifts were on display in the room. So Jalen Park sang, 
She sang What a Beautiful Name and How Great Thou Art and is incredible. Terry Bishop uh, played piano and accompanied her and it was so, so good. And so I think a lot of times, so the, the, the people, the, the, the singers, the talent, right? We look at that and we celebrate the talent. But here's what I know, back in the back, Zach Morrow was sitting back in the AV booth making sure that they could be heard. If he's not there, it ain't near as good. And so he's needed as a part of the equation. By the way, AV people, think about the only time they get recognized. When something squeals on stage, when there's something wrong, right? Something's wrong. Think about uh, Mike Francis back there running the lyrics. The only time you look back there is if the lyrics are off and you're like. (laughs) So this morning, I want you to walk by and I want you to high five Andy and Mike for what they do for the body because at the end of the day, they're unnoticed, right? They are the ministry of the unnoticed, but they play a part So then I think about Leanne Francis. And so uh, Leanne walked with the Morris family over the last 10 days and and made sure that everything that they needed for the service happened exactly the way that they wanted it to happen. She wrote and printed the program. Uh, She spent hours upon hours scanning about 300 pictures that were a part of this presentation. And, and, And those are hours that nobody sees. Those are hours here, late nights, scanning, editing, scanning, editing. The ministry of the unnoticed. And I know that she's uncomfortable right now with me sharing that because that's who she is. That's her gift. The gift of serving and helping. So in this service, you're here live. But know that while you're here live, there are uh, people on live stream this morning. And live stream doesn't just magically happen. They're a group of guys that are right down behind this wall. They're sitting in a room mixing our live stream service this morning. Someone's running the cameras, someone's running the lyrics and scripture. Somebody is mixing the audio so that it sounds great. And I think we forget about that. Like the live stream fairy just shows up and it magically happens. But in reality, those guys, they they are the ministry of the unnoticed, locked in a room, making sure that people that are uncomfortable being here or wanted to stay in their pajamas this morning or some combination of both are getting to experience this service. It's the ministry of the unnoticed. It's Michael Wells, Tim Burke, Sam McCabe, and others who are being trained to walk in that. Also thought about Brandon and Rhea Hill, who are the behind-the-scenes glue at Under Over Fellowship. I don't even know all the things they do. Their name just comes up all the time in, in serving in ways that nobody sees. Or Tony O'Brien, Mitch Hall, Kevin Smythe, and, and so many others. All these guys that are in the bright yellow Raleigh Foodikers back there um, that, that are wearing these yellow parking t-shirts. They make sure that you have a place to park on Sunday morning. And they, they have stood out in the heat all summer long making sure that that happens. This ministry of hospitality, making sure that um, you get where you need to get. Dee Myers, who serves in our children's ministry, and she's here every week putting together the curriculum for children's ministry so that they have all of their teaching resources on Sunday mornings. Her husband, Stan, who runs our safety and security team. And you'll see all these guys that are wearing their, their safety team. I see Daniel back there. Wave, Daniel. Um, Daniel back there. there. There are several guys that you see them. They serve on rotation. Um, and you know why they're there? so that you can sit facing forward on Sunday morning and not have to worry. I even see, I see Tito back there in the back who is one of our uh, police guys. Wave, wave your hand, Tito. Yeah, he, he, he's here uh, most weeks when he's not here, he comes with his wife and attends restoration, you know? And so it's this beautiful picture of serving selflessly, living into their giftedness. Rich and Amy Garcia, who make sure you have free drip coffee every Sunday morning. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you'll clap for that. All right. (laughs) Thought about Troy Schleicher, and he represents so many of the greeters who are there at the door faithfully every Sunday morning. He's there at 8 a.m., long hair and all, just welcoming people and does it in just such a beautiful way. 
Tracy Davis, who makes sure, get this, at 9.45, there are no chairs in the lobby. By 9.55, because we're in overflow, she makes sure that all those chairs get out. But here's what you know, you're facing forward and you don't recognize that when you leave at about 11.25, that all those chairs are gone because she makes sure that they're up and out of there so that the traffic flow is created. And we don't think about that stuff, right? But that, she takes it seriously because it's all about us working together for the common good, for a bigger agenda. Damon and Kim Collins, who are regularly practicing the ministry of the unnoticed. If you know Kim and Damon, they are spending hours upon hours setting up tables, tearing down tables, uh, all of the landscaping on our property. Damon has spent, you know, hundreds of hours working to make sure that our campus is beautiful and he does it um, not to receive any credit. They, they are probably very uncomfortable right now that I'm saying their names. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I'm just looking around the room and I see so many of you that are a vital part of what God is doing at Restoration. And every single person matters. So if you're thinking about it, you're like, wow, I... I don't know what what I'm supposed to be doing, how I'm supposed to serve. Again, this is not about serving restoration. This is about serving the kingdom of God and we wanna equip you to do that. You can do it, we can help. And And if restoration is a beneficiary of that, man, that's awesome. We will celebrate that. But at the end of the day, we want you living in your eunice in the kingdom of God and we wanna launch you into that reality. But we all work together. Every part is important to make up one body. Okay, verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honor, every part rejoices with it. We suffer together, we rejoice together. Again, we've, we've done a funeral every weekend this month. We'll do two next Friday and Saturday. There's been a lot of death that has touched our body since the beginning of the year. And it's hard. Young people, people in their late 30s, people in their early 40s. Jeff's mom, 64 on Friday. And it's just a hard reality. And so we get to suffer with those who suffer, mourn with those who mourn. Paul says it in Romans 12, 15. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. And so that is our role as a church, right? We're we're together suffering with those who suffer. We say, hey, your life and your hurt and your pain, they matter. They matter. Verse 27. Now you're the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Verse 28. And God is Place in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance, different kinds of tongues. Okay, so this list here is interesting because it moves from kind of offices to individual giftings. Right, so uh, apostles, so the apostles were the founders of the church, the overseers of the church, and then prophets and teachers, and so those are offices, but remember I said this last week, that you can't have the office if you don't have the gifting, and so there's a gifting to be an apostle, you are called to be an apostle, you're called to be a prophet, you're called to be a teacher, and then look at these individual gifts, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, guidance, different kinds of tongues. This is not an exhaustive list, and I would say that uh, beyond the offices, I think he's saying, hey, listen, there's, there, there are offices, and then there are these giftings. It's not an exhaustive list. But here is what he's saying. He's making the point over the next couple of verses. Look at verse 29. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Well, the answer is no. (laughs) Those are rhetorical questions. I think what he's saying is, listen, we don't all have all the gifts. But it goes back to what he said in verse 11. It says, listen, it is the spirit who dispenses the gifts. It's not you. You don't wake up one day and decide, you know what? 
I think I'll be an apostle. You know what? Today, I'm going to practice the gift of healing. Well, that's not for you to decide. What you can do, however, is do what Jesus told the disciples to do. Sit at the feet of Jesus and wait. Ask him questions and, and have a pen and a journal ready. And when he speaks, write it down and then begin to obey and live into it. Because we don't all have all the gifts. If we did, then we wouldn't need the body of Christ. We all have a gift. Some have more than one gift, but nobody has all of them. And so we can celebrate the diversity and we can encourage each other to live into the gift that we have been called to live in. Then verse 31, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So if you read this out of context, you're kind of like, wait, didn't you spend the last 10 verses telling us not to desire the greater gifts, to stay in your lane and, and, and live where you're called to live? Well, look at what he says next. In your Bible, you may have a new header there. Underneath, it says, it's the second part of verse 31. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. So he says here, listen, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then he says, and I'm about to show you how to live them out. I'm gonna show you the most excellent way. And so that's where we're gonna put a pin in it today because next week we'll get into 1 Corinthians 13. And if you've ever been to a wedding, it is probably the most commonly used text for a wedding and it's completely taken out of context. And so we're gonna see the context of chapter 13 as we're moving out of 12 when he says, I'm gonna show you how to live out your giftedness in the most excellent way. Read ahead this week and see if it means something different to you based on that context. Okay, so two things as we close today. Number one, the body of Christ is incomplete without you. The body of Christ is incomplete without you. So here's what a lot of us do. And I've heard this as we've grown as a church. You hear this grumbling sometimes that uh, kind of says, well, if I disappear tomorrow, nobody would even know. Well, here's the question. Why are you not living into your giftedness and making sure that no one feels like that? Instead of it being about you, instead of having a cruise ship mentality, entertain me, Bless me, feed me, feed me, feed me. What if you lived like you were on mission? And if you're feeling like, wow, I, I feel overlooked sometimes, I need to make sure that no one at restoration feels overlooked. And I'm gonna begin to live out my gift of hospitality, my gift of helps, my gift of administration, whatever gift he's placed in your life to make sure that no one feels that way. Is that not a different way of looking at it? Because here's the bottom line. The body of Christ is incomplete without you. And so if, if you're getting overlooked, it's because we're incomplete. We're not doing it on purpose. I say every week, I don't want you to be anonymous. I want you to feel like the most important, most loved person when you walk in this room. But I'm just one guy. I will, I will flat hug you when you walk in. And so... You need to live in your giftedness to make sure that we are complete as a body. Because if you just come to consume, then we're incomplete. You're needed in the body of Christ. Number two, and really important, live in the power of we, not in the power of me. Again, it kind of lines up with what I just said. You know, I think we live in the power of me a lot, what I can accomplish, what I can do. And, and then we spend our time looking at life through the lens of me. What's in it for me? And at the end of the day, it's the LeBron James factor. So LeBron James is arguably the greatest player 
of our generation outside Michael Jordan, okay? So Michael's the GOAT. Um, and then uh, since Michael retired, now LeBron has come on the scene and, and he has proven to be the greatest player in the NBA and probably one of the top two or three in NBA history. He's been to more finals than any other player during his time. But you know what? He's lost more finals than any other player. And here's why. Man, his first years in Cleveland, he languished away on a bad team. He was the best player on a bad team and he could never get over the hump. And so what did he do? He took his talents to South Beach. Do you remember that? The decision? And he went and he partnered up with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and together they won NBA championships. Now, who I left out there was the old aging sharpshooter, Ray Allen, who nailed the three that won in the finals, right? We forget about him and we just talk about the big three. So he left and he went back to Cleveland, but you know who he needed to win the finals with? Kyrie Irving. He needed Kyrie in order to do that because he couldn't do it by himself. And then he moved to LA and he needed uh, Anthony Davis to win a title. So here's what I was thinking about. Um, does anybody know the name Matthew Deladova? Anyone? Does anybody know the name Iman Shumpert? Yeah, when's the last time you thought about Iman Shumpert? Man, I wonder what Iman Shumpert is doing today. Well, you know what he's doing? He's polishing his NBA championship ring because in 2015, he won an NBA championship with LeBron with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we don't remember him, but he played significant minutes and was a part of that championship team. He won't be remembered in history. When people mention LeBron James, they won't mention Iman Shumpert. They won't mention Matthew Deladova, who looked like the least athletic person in the NBA. But guess what? They got a ring. Why? Because it's the power of we, not the power of me. I don't care how talented you are. You cannot do it on your own. You living into the fullness of your giftedness, you have a ceiling. And that's why we are together. We are a collective of individuals on a mission to see God do what only he can do, natural or supernatural. What would it be like for 375 or so people this morning, a couple 250 in the last service, maybe another 300 in the next. What if, what, if what if we all said, man, I'm gonna live fully in my gift. I'm gonna live dunamis, the power of God in my life. That's gonna leave a crater, y'all. When it explodes on the scene, the power of we, man, that is gonna be a nuclear explosion for the kingdom of God. And this area will never be the same. You're needed. You're needed. The person in your seat, you're needed to live fully in your giftedness, not for yourself, but for the kingdom of God. And in a way that brings the power of God to this area and everything's transformed as a result. Who's in? Four of you, great. That's so awesome. See me afterwards. So disappointing. All right. Hey, let's pray. Um, Jesus, thank you.